and the first time through the path like it's a lot of work like it takes tremendous like effort that you're gonna say something else what did you think i was gonna say i can't say it on radio <laughs> radio radio <laughs> internet radio cops internet radio. they'll get me Welcome to Shankcast episode number 21. Today we'll be talking about how to play your best tennis in matches. I'm really excited for this episode. Yeah, we get asked this All like a ver- variation of this question just constantly, especially on live. I think and it's social one of the coaching. Media. biggest things. Yeah. I mean, people practice, they want to get better, but it doesn't show up in uh, matches. I had the same issue when I was a junior. It's like We've- I was like practice we all have been there yeah at some to a point certain degree for sure. we've all been in that zone like against a training partner or a teammate or like a ball machine or like coach like feeding you balls mm-hmm. you're, and like, you're just like I crushing like yeah. whatever it is and then you go play the your next match and it's it like oh man ceiling. i'm gonna kill this guy <laughs> yeah. and then it's like alter ego steps nothing in. yeah nothing so uh before we get to today's topic really quickly i want to thank go fish spelled g e a u x oh P-H-I-S-H. Go, oh. go fish for the, the review on iTunes Music Store. I like it. Don't know what that what Go Fish means exactly, but Let I, us know. I'm intrigued. I would yeah, 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 I'd like to know. Let yeah. us know. Go. So today's <laughs> question comes to us from Garish, I think. Uh, who sorry, I probably did that wrong. But Rodin said, How do we transition from practice to match play? Dynamics, preparation, mental, physical, etc. So Kevin, Meg, and myself, three lifelong career tennis coaches after our own various uh, playing careers, we're going to discuss three kind of core questions here. How do you hit as well in matches as you do in practice? How do you prepare your mind for matches? And how do you prepare your body for matches? And some of these topics we've kind of already touched on briefly uh, within other categories, here on the Shankcast, but today we're just going to focus on this one, this one thing. So, I think this this first one is a big one. How do you hit as well? How do you take that like feeling of confidence mm. and oh, yeah. competence and like success that you have on the practice court? How do you transition that into match play? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with how you practice. Um, It comes back to everything. I think it's the same thing as when people go out and they serve and there's no pressure and they're just practicing serves and they're like, oh, my first serve is amazing. Like, it's just on point. I can hit every type of serve I want and then you get into practice and you like, or into a match play and you like dink it over because you can't make the serve. serve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's the idea of, I think you need pressure in practice to really simulate what happens in a match play for you, as well as you need small progressions for when you change things or when you're tweaking things or when you're trying to improve something um, to help that improvement stick before you just jump out and try to use it in a match. Um, I, I actually sent someone on social media yesterday they asked this exact question and I said, he said now he you was, can send him the shank cast. Yeah. Well now I literally said, we're going to possibly be doing this in a future yeah. shank cast, but I didn't know it was going to be today. Um, and so I said, he said he was trying to improve his one handed backhand and it's great in practice, but he cannot hit it in match play. And I said that 
okay, you need to use video and then you need to take the steps of shadowing and I mean like all the way through pressure and there was like seven progressions that I gave him before you would ever even play a match. And I think the problem is, is that most people try something and they're like, this is working and then they go and try to use it. Yeah, in a match and then it doesn't work and then they wonder why. And so I think it's all about simulating pressure after you've taken all the progressions to get it to stick into your game before you can actually execute something in a match consistently. I agree with that a thousand percent. Uh, One thing that I've been talking to people a lot about recently is I think people kind of get the progression thing when it comes to going from zero to like totally brand new like skill or technique or whatever. Going from that to being able to hit it in practice, I think people get the seven progressions. But then the jump from practice play to match play, I don't think people understand is just as big of a jump from zero to practice competency as it is from practice competency to mm-hmm. match competency. I believe it's just as big of a like a gap yeah. or a gulf. For and sure. people don't treat it the same way with the same kind of care or respect. And there should be seven progressions from practice competency to match competency. And I definitely want to spend time kind of going around the horn and and talking about that. Like how do you inject the pressure Mm -hmm. into uh, match play? I'm sorry, into practice play to start to uh, bridge that gap. But uh, besides that, what what Is else that a comes later out? conversation? Okay, so yeah, I w- yeah. Let's say like specifics on like how to add pressure. Let's kind of save that for yeah. I'm gonna just combo on what you're talking about because yeah. I think like you're saying. It is a huge gulf, and this the reason it's a huge gulf is because there are two different skill sets. One is muscle memory, learning how to repeat something. Another one I consider to be like emotional, um, um, kind of an, an emotional uh, an awareness progression in a sense that I've developed the skill through the muscle memory and now am I able to be aware and apply it in under stress and so I think that's where the the caveat is that you have to understand that you're training something different mm-hmm. um, it's not that you're starting over it's just you're training the other side of it and this is why I think it's and if you've played tennis you you know those days when you step out and people say it's like what is it you got the squeaky elbow or you he's, he's really tight and the serve doesn't go in or something some it's just like the elbow just doesn't want to move it doesn't want to budge and you feel like the thing that you spent so much time on the ball machine just like crushing it was awesome and then suddenly when someone's on the other side of the net it's not so much that you can't remember how to hit the shot is that your body emotionally isn't cooperating. And it's, it's almost like cutting off the signal from all the muscle memory work you've done. And it's like hijacking totally. your body. It's like a literally, like that description a you, lot, yeah. you got an emotional hijacking that you are like completely just like a passenger on you're watching it. Um, and you, and you can't do anything unless you've prepared before the hijacking, um, to learn how to escape the bus or the building. That could be like Die Hard. They hijack the building. Or what's the other one with the um, Neo? Speed is the Speed, yeah, yeah is the, the bus. hijack the bus. <laughs> yeah, get off the bus. Yeah, uh, my wife is looking at me right now. <laughs> it's okay. I like that description a lot of the interruption of the signal. 
Because I think it works in a very like literal sense. Like we're literally training neurological pathways when we're training that that new movement, that new technique or skill for the very first time. It's it's training the brain to move away from the old habit, the old old skill, and we're like laying new track like for the first time. Uh, a good analogy I heard once was it's like cutting a pathway through the jungle with a machete, like thick, like dense like jungle you got the banana leaves and the trees and stuff like that and the first time through the path like it's a lot of work like it takes tremendous like effort you're gonna say something else what did you think i was gonna say i can't say it on radio (laughs) radio Radio. (laughs) internet radio radio. they'll get me but the second time the third time the fourth time that you cut your way through the path like it gets a little bit easier each time and so there's all that effort required to lay the path the blaze the trail or to lay the tracks like for the first time and then you go into a match play and your your brain i'm sure there's like a particular part of the brain i don't know what it is i think it's the amygdala it's like the fight flight yeah yeah, kind of response and it's it's just like it cuts everything else off like goes into depth con like three or whatever and everything that you just freshly like laid like just poof like it just actually yeah what you're saying it's so interesting you say that way because it reminds me of a couple books i've read that talk about like not going to a ton of science, like our brains are made up of three different brains, which is like the, the they call it like the alligator or reptile brain. Mm-hmm. You have the monkey mind. And then we have the newer cognitive uh, mind. So like our, we're laying these tracks, like you're saying on the cognitive, like we're thinking and yeah. trying to lay this groove in. But the older like reptile mind, when it gets freaked out, it doesn't care about what it, we're yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it just wants to survive. Totally, and and totally. so it's, it's so interesting that people get really freaked out about it. And they're like, and they feel really bad. I think that's the other thing. They feel really like, oh my God, I'll never get that good. And they don't realize that, that you are really, you're literally being emotionally hijacked and you can't help it. It's built into um, us as human beings to survive. And that mechanism is just, it's, it's the core of what we know. It's a killer. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about progressions or drills or uh, environments. Like how do we inject pressure or stress into a practice environment to start to train that pathway through our amygdala. Amygdala. (laughs) Um, One of my, I think, well, I think first off, you have to understand that there are a lot of progressions. So I think for me, it's like, okay, once you've trained a particular stroke, let's just say, for example, Um, then you need to also be able to like hit it in rallies and then hit it in regular points and then hit it in under pressure before you even think about trying to get into match play. Yeah. But when we're just talking about like the pressure side, I really, really love pressure points. We uh, got it from Tiffany, a girl that we um, worked with back in the day. And she... um, explained it really well, but it's, it's all about the idea of creating pressure upon yourself by you can play whoever, whatever level out there. And it really evens out the score. So say like if, if Ian and I are playing, then if I win the first game, then the next game you're up 15 love. And then if I win the next game, you're up 30 love. If 
you win the next game, then it's you're still at 15 love. And so every game up to 40 love, and then obviously after three games or more, you're still at 40 love every time after. And so it really kind of makes that pressure of learning how to play when you're up, play when you're down, play, you know, play in different scenarios. Um, and, you know, if you're up 3-0 and you're playing someone and all they have to do is win one point and you have to win, you know, whatever, five, right? Six. If you're, it depends well, on, yeah, if you're playing no ad. Depends four, on, yeah. Uh, if, but if not I, yeah. no ad if you're, yeah, if you're playing then. No. So, um, you know, it makes a huge difference. I think another thing, a uh, couple things is learning to – uh, add pressure to different situations. And we had this conversation the other day and Ian brought up a good point where everybody feels pressure differently. And I think of it as fine. There's, there's a, also another uh, emotional thing that we are far more, uh, what is it? We hate losing things versus gaining things. And so I think like what Megan's describing, I'll describe another game, is that when you have a lot to lose, ten, there's a tendency for pressure to start accumulating because you're like, God, if I miss this pulling point or if I screw this up or everybody's watching me. And there's just a, a lot of different ways of doing it. So I would suggest, first of all, start adding pressure to your practices. Like if you're hitting cross court, you can build on this before you get to the match. And I think that's the important part to create this bridge, not from just like, okay, uh, I'm going to play baseline games and uh, we'll add some pressure and then I'm going to go play a match. And it, sometimes that gap is just so big for people to get that response. So kind of a, a bunch of different sequences you can go through really quickly. You can hit cross courts and just simply while hitting cross courts, if you miss the ball wide or long, do some push-ups or do something or even play a game cross courts and play for a Gatorade, whatever it is, you start creating this pressure that you're going to lose something or you have to give up something. Um, you can play um, another game, kind of like pressure points, is playing the 15, and the pressure points are at um, mm-hmm. 4, 9, and 14. So like if, me and Ian, uh, if Ian and I are playing, and he has four points and I have three, he has to win that point to get to five. If he loses that point, he goes all the way back to zero. Once he oh, wins... Oh, actually, that's the I know. game, yeah, Tiffany. I was, Sorry, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't Sorry gonna, Tiffany. Yeah, yeah. That was Tiffany's the game like, you actually told. Totally, and yeah. Tiffany, you're amazing. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> <laughs> so after Ian gets to five, he can, no, he can never go below five. But then he, once he gets mm-hmm. to nine, he has to win that point yeah. where he goes big. back down back to five. Back to five, yeah. And then, so you could be like... You could be completely ahead like 14 to 9 and you lose one or two points in the uh, the right place and then it and flips then, yeah and so so if you lose at 14 you go back to 9 or back you go to back zero? to 9, nine. you back go back to 9, to nine. okay so gotcha. you still but yeah so once let's you say get to that, that point then you never go further gotcha. Gotcha. let's say you know you're at uh, 14 and I'm at 9 that's a double pressure point because you're going to go back to uh, 10 and I'm going to have 10 yeah. and I can never go below so yeah, you can yeah, see yeah. how it could really nice. it's really interesting but start should make Cre- a video on that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Start creating yeah. more pressure Good. in your 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 practices, whether they be just rallying, and you can create internal pressure by holding yourself accountable, playing baseline games, and play for something. Uh, there's all kind of uh, different situations where we used to do with serves, like with a group of serves, like saying, "Okay, you have to with either a group of people or by yourself. I have to hit." 10 second serves in a location and if I miss one something's going to happen I have to go do push-ups or I have to run a sprint or something there's just any way you can figure out to add an element of losing something or having to give up something I think creates a lot of pressure for people what's the game that I was saying called um modified sets modified mm. sets sorry about that 
just take out the whole first part I was giving you a I weird said, look, but you then, never looked yeah, over there. Yeah, I didn't look at you. Sorry. <laughs> uh, some it. other... What's that? Sorry. I was just saying I understand now. Gotcha. Some other um, drill ideas, in, in particular, if you're going to isolate a particular shot, like if it's a whatever, backhand ground, you were talking about backhand ground stroke. Uh, some stuff that I've done a lot in lessons is pick a specific target, like like Kevin's talking about. Let's just just pretend that you're a right-handed player, you're practicing your cross-court backhand, so you're hitting over to the ad side. Pick a, a section of court, let's say between the service line and the baseline, and only on the ad side of the court. And I would frequently run my students after they learned a new skill through, number one, trying to hit a certain number of shots in a set. So let's say I feed them 10 balls. They have to make seven of those out of 10 in the target area while doing the new you know, technique. Maybe they always slice their back end. We're working on their drive. They have to use the drive. And these are e- easy feeds, but just to drill the, um, the execution and the uh, repeatability, give them that specific target and give them the specific goal Make sure, you know, in that scenario, I'm holding them accountable. I think that's a key thing that we could definitely talk more about. But give them a set of 10 balls and tell them they have to make seven using a specific technique. And we could do whatever, five sets of that or 10 sets of that. And then I like taking that same kind of target area and doing an in in a row uh, challenge as well. So seven out of 10 is like one type of challenge. You have a little bit of leeway. Uh, Once you've made like five out of seven or six out of eight. It's like, you can kind of see how, um, it kind of gets down to that crunch time and it's like, Oh, these are the ones I really need to make sure I make. And you kind of get a sense for the student of if they're going to start slowing down to be careful Mm -hmm. or how much they've really kind of mastered that, that skill. But then an in a row challenge to that same target of four in a row, five in a row, six in a row kind of has its own uh, flavor to it as well. Cause you, there's no wiggle room and it's just a kind of a different type of, of pressure. I, I like, uh, I used to do this one also that goes along the same lines of that is where you have to go to a specific spot or whatever you're trying to do, um, for to up to a certain point, like you have to get to 20 positive 20 and every time you mm. miss it's negative two. Yeah. I like that a lot. And every time you make one, it's positive one. So you start at zero and then you could end up like, there were plenty of people that were like, Oh, was I supposed to get to negative 20? Because <laughs> I went the opposite direction. Yeah. But, um, I've done that scenario in specific, um, like only forehands, only backhands. I've done it like moving the player all around the court. I've had seen people like I've told people to go do it with the ball machine a lot because it's a great ball yeah. machine drill. Um, and so because you know you could actually set up the ball machine to go anywhere if you really just wanted it to work on consistency in general. There's a lot of different factors there. I think kind of two other things that kind of came to mind when kind of both of you guys are talking about. One is also learning. I think a lot about dealing with pressure is also learning to focus. Because I think a lot of times people create a lot of pressure about what they're focusing on. Um, and a great drill for that sometimes is to, like, I've, I've done a drill with one of my students where, like, they have to hit 10 balls cross court. I'll just use simple things. 10 balls cross court. Uh, they have to execute 10 balls. Generally, if, the, if we're at a kind of base level, just get it cross court. The next level might be past the service line or some other thing. So you can either add that. 10 total or in a row? or 10 in a row. 10 in a row. And then you stop. <clears throat> and then you start another rally. You do 10. And then you stop. If you miss any of the balls, you have to do that rep over again. And you go to five. Now, again, you can increase the level if you master that. Because sometimes you, we, it could take us, I think the first time it took us a couple of weeks. And then he got to a point where he's like, oh, okay, I could do 10 and then do another 10. And then it was like, 
if you miss one ball out of any of the reps, you go back down to, to zero, the zero yeah. of reps. So you could be like 40 what, balls in. Uh, miss one out of the set or? Out of anything. So like you did 10 in a row. That's one, uh, uh, one rep. You do another 10 in a row. That's rep two. You do uh, another 10, but you miss one. You go all the way to back to, to five you're sets, trying to get to five sets. Total. Yeah. He switches um, reps and yeah. sets a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. That's, that's gotcha. why these guys are here. Keep me straight. I was trying Another, to, I think I was trying to help, help the listeners out. Yeah, gotcha. Thank you. Thank you. Ian's looking out for you guys. Um, another thing that I think is really, really important when you start talking about level and because execution at one level is different at another level. And so also starting to train quality of ball. Cause you mentioned like, sometimes people are like, Oh, I'll make they 10, make but it, they but push. Like, You're like, ah, ha, ha, I'm going to push you all <laughs> totally, day long. Totally, totally. And so it's starting to keep you accountable to a certain speed of ball, mm-hmm. a certain quality of ball and really ramps up your level of focus. I don't necessarily think that's something to do with pressure, but a, a way of training yourself to focus at a higher rate, because I do think that, yeah, you can be playing a person that maybe hits the ball a little bit faster than you're used to, and you just haven't trained that. And you may think, oh, it's pressure, but it's just focus and execution. And so I think those two things start to dovetail between training to deal with pressure and also training a higher quality of ball um, and keeping yourself accountable to hitting this ball at a certain speed, uh, a certain uh, like spin rate and stuff. Because, yeah, I mean, I can hit 20 balls or 100 balls in a row pushing, but when you really have to go out and do it like you would in a match playing to a, a yeah, yeah to a good person you're like oh wow that ball gets crushed it's a so different skill it's a different skill so i think you can also train that along with what we're talking about and then another variable yeah is uh tweaking the level of challenge incoming uh to the student as well i think for the most part we've been talking about you know just kind of training environment like neutral feed but uh, another good variable is to have the student do all of these different things we've already talked about, but change the level of challenge. So instead of like a neutral feed, make it a difficult, you know, wide ball and cha- you bring the, bring the objection, uh, objection, objective uh, <laughs> down a little bit. So instead of 10 in a row, maybe make it three, but this is a, like a tough ball and you got to make three of those in a row, like a ball that maybe might be tough for the student to make just once. And we're, trying to stress them and challenge them to be able to start be a little more consistent within that environment of being stressed and uh, challenged. Just within like what we've talked about so far, you take these like variable factors and take any individual skill and we could probably come up with, you know, 30, 40 different levels of uh, the challenge of the outgoing ball, the challenge of the incoming ball, the how big or small the target area is, whether it's in a row, whether it's a certain number out of 10 or what, like there's so many different variables. It's great. And I think environment too. I think the three different environments of, it's like if you're uh, drop feeding to yourself, you can still challenge yourself. If you're having someone feed to you, that's uh, it's still a control environment. And then if you're having, if you're hitting with somebody, each one of these increases and gives you a different look where you have to start, adding on more things to the, the, the pie. Yeah. I think you can, um, actually you can add a lot of pressure without anyone else there, without a ball machine, without anything. I think that's such an important point. A lot of people think that you can only stand still and just draw feet and you can only work on technique or you can only work on certain things, but you know, you can throw the ball out away from you and move to it and work on hitting a particular area of the court or, 
you know, there's a, just a ton of different things you can do on your own as well as, and then if you include the ball machine, then it goes up incrementally as well. You don't need a coach out there with you to have that transition of working on something go into your match play is what I just want to make sure you know. Yeah. And then there's the whole um, jump from cooperative live ball to competitive live ball. Uh, like there's all kinds of cooperative live ball like, or like semi-cooperative where like you're both aiming for a target. And so you both know where the ball is going to go, but there's still that dynamic challenge of it being a live ball and not like a feed or a drop or or whatever it is. Yeah, the ten, the ten in a row one that Kevin was talking about, where you go, your goal is to get to fifty balls in a row, but you stop every ten. The whole idea is to simulate like a you know match or play type scenario mm. where the ball is not going to go over ten, and sometimes it doesn't even get to that. But the goal is is that um, you know you're hitting at a high level for those ten balls, and then you stop pause and you have to do it again and it's mentally really good because it breaks up your mind of sometimes when you get into a rhythm and you're like oh i got this and you can just make balls all day it's like a it's like a game it's like yeah right yeah yeah. that's what i mean it simulates that and so um it's a really good drill and it's really difficult i'm not gonna lie like it is it sounds so easy but especially if you do it like we used to do it with the kids behind the service line and you have to make each oh, ball behind the service other, line yeah. cross court. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was difficult for me to like yeah, focus in to make those balls to make sure that I'm, you know, not making the error when we're doing it. Um, and so it's, it's a, you can make it as difficult as you want. And so it's a really good drill. I think something else that Ian said, um, talking about cooperative and competitive. Even competitively, if you're playing, let's say, a baseline game, you can start to hold yourself accountable also to the types of decisions you make. You, it, hopefully, if you're, you've got to the point that you can recognize whether you're making an unforced error or a forced error, um, you can start, or you know, maybe just you, you hit a winner or whatnot, you can start recognizing uh, when you hit unforced errors, do something. You can hold yourself accountable to that. So it's not only just the execution of the shot, but it's also the implementation of when you should use the shot. Uh, and I, I wish I knew all these things or mm. understood all these things when I was a kid because it's like I would struggle with this but wouldn't know how to – I would just play or hit more cross go courts. Hit balls, yeah. yeah, hit more balls. Everybody's like, you get, you're just not hitting enough balls. <laughs> yeah. Son, you got to go out and hit some balls. How many balls you hit today? Son, how many balls you hit today? And you're like, <laughs> okay, hit 1,000 balls. And it was like – you do get better that way, but it's such a slow grinding route because you're, it's like you're moving an inch. It's almost by osmosis. Yeah, like yeah. You're just kind of hoping you soak in the right yeah, stuff. Just, like, yeah, I hit enough balls. Get yeah, enough balls yeah. compared to just adding pressure and being very strategic about what you're working on. Um, it, it just, that would change a lot. Yeah. A game that I, I love that incorporates that awareness of force versus unforced air um, is a game that I've called plus five minus five. It's yeah, similar to what you were talking that. about where, um, I've played a couple of different variations, but me and a te- a college teammate worked together one summer, uh, college and we played a ton of this and it was brutal because the game can last like a half an hour or 45 minutes, but it's just a game either until somebody gets to plus five or minus five. And the scoring is if you force an error, that means you hit a shot that, makes your opponent mess up because it was such a high quality shot. It's a plus one. You get plus one on your score. 
If you hit a clean winner, your opponent can't even touch it. It's plus two. And if either of you hit an unforced error, it's minus one. And you can change the numbers. Like we've played plus three for a winner. It depends on the level of uh, play. But it, the like tug of war and the and you start arguing about like oh no, that no, was that was a forced yeah air. forced error no no I, I no yeah. I should have made that yeah like, yeah um, the awareness that it brings to the uh, level of challenge that you're under the level of stress or duress that you're under I think is fantastic and I think players need to be more sensitive about how many of their mistakes are their own fault versus how many of their errors are because their opponent hit a great shot. And without that awareness, it's easy to just play really dumb tennis. <laughs> yeah, we used to play that too. And we used to really isolate um, the idea of not missing in the net or wide. Mm. And like if you missed Put long, it wasn't, you know, nice. you didn't yeah. get anything against you. But if you missed wide or in the net, then it was no. the minus one. Um, and we played that a lot. We played to 10. Was okay. Because I could go a long well, time. because kids made they made a lot of unforced errors, <laughs> <laughs> so you might be at negative ten before you got to you know like sure. um So yeah, we used to, but we've played that often. Yeah, that's the other part about the game is like when somebody wins by by negative, you almost feel kind of dirty yeah, about yeah, it. It's I, like. Mm, when you're when neither of you are really playing very well and it's just like a struggle to see who can keep from getting to the negative yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother layer of like awareness that it brings to the quality of like what really is the quality of the points that we're playing right now don't feel dirty about it pumping in the air <laughs> uh, i'm not saying i wasn't happy to win but it's it's like kissing your sister <laughs> not that i've ever done that if you could see my face right now <laughs> not like so you don't want to do that see yeah. <laughs> okay. I thought you were gonna say something. No, Sorry, I just totally I'm leaving that, that one alone. <laughs> All right, that one will be left alone. Um, moving on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's a whole bunch of ideas for different drills, different games, different environments and setups and i mean literally if you took all the iterations of everything we just oh. talked about it's probably a thousand variations oh, yeah for sure of, of everything we just discussed use these like th you should be going out and crafting a practice session like like what kevin was saying like it's not a matter of yes of course you need you need quantity but if there's no specificity and there's no intention about what it is you're doing and why then you're just not going to develop the parts of your game that really need the the work so those of you who are listening who have asked Megan on social media a million times, how do I play good in matches? Like this is the like this is this is it. Like you have to go out there and craft a uniquely challenging session for yourself that that utilizes these types of drills and and uh, progressions. And do this with your serve too, because there's so many people yeah. that go out and they never put, I can't tell you like how many people don't put pressure on their serve in practice and then wonder why it doesn't transfer to match play. Um, we've done multiple videos on it. I did one on playing Bob, which is all about playing, putting pressure on yourself. Um, I used to have a chart that all of the kids that I coached had to fill out when, during their serving practice every week. And it was challenging them to write down how many areas of the court, depending upon their level, nice. they could hit out of 10. And they only had to hit like, you know, 40 to a hundred serves was it, but you had to keep track every single time. Yeah. And then once a month we would look at those sheets and go back and say like, okay, has it improved? <clears throat> if it hasn't, 
then you need to work on, you know. That's so big because without that framework, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, I'm practicing my serve. And they might actually be hitting it. But you go out there and you just hit the serves you yep. like already. And it's like, oh, that feels, yeah, 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 that one's cooking the day. And you hit like two like out wide where right. you don't usually aim. Or the toss where people are like, I practice the toss, but I never actually practice it with my swing. Yeah. It's the same type of scenario. Sure. Like you can practice your toss all day long, but if you're not actually practicing it with your swing, it's a completely different ballgame. I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but I'll kind of, I don't know, maybe we already talked about it a little bit. Uh, the emotional side, I think, and the mindset yeah, uh, let's go ahead and, sh- and shift okay. to that. I feel like, it's, yeah, the other questions I had down were how do you prepare your mind? How do you prepare your body? I feel like body kind of falls under, we've talked about fitness and we're pretty solid chunk into the episode already. Want to just focus on the, the mind? I think the mindset's so really let's, big. Let's f- just focus on that and that'll, we'll wrap it up with that. Dynamic stretching. Body. Preparing oh, yourself. I, I, was I, was like, we're, we're, that's I want to hear dynamic, yeah. dynamic stretching of the mind. No, for anybody who doesn't know, like let go, you know, dynamic I, stretching. Really quick, um, and maybe just for me, I think running. And I don't mean like running a lot. Every blue moon going out and run like five miles or run 10 miles. And I think leading... 10 the, miles? 10 miles is a... I know, I know, but I didn't... It's not like every week. And the, this is the reason why going back to mentally, it's difficult and it's uncomfortable. Goggins. And I think, Goggins. Yeah, I was going to go there. But <laughs> he it's, says it's, this all the time at home. But no, like, it's, I'll it's, be like, why are you doing that? And he's like, because it's difficult. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go into awesome. that. We'll go on that. But I think every, like every couple of weeks, I hate long distance running. And I would make myself run five miles. And I remember the first time I ran five miles... I abs- and we had it was in our school had uh, an indoor track so it's like something like 40 something laps it was just like mind numbing but at the end of it and as I noticed because of the difficulty and I'm putting myself through it like difficult situations were easier to deal with because I yeah. started putting myself through places where I felt uncomfortable uh, like Megan's talking about right now I've you already been challenged that week and, and you made your way through it yeah and so you start training yourself by putting yourself in uncomfortable situations or doing stuff you don't like to do so like I've been taking cool showers yeah, that's exactly what I thought about first. Uh, I've been taking. He has not missed one day of cold showers since like January. Two months. Yeah. yeah, two. No, two two months. Yeah, it's about December, two months. right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, yeah, right now in Milwaukee, I'm not gonna lie. It's real here. It's real here. It's <laughs> it's cold. And our water is yeah. ten our, times yeah. colder now yeah. than it was yeah. before. And yeah. I related to. I was watching this this YouTube about this guy, and he was like, you know really quick he was trying to start a business and he was coming up with all these excuses his friend said you know you just don't want to be uncomfortable he's like why don't you try taking cold showers and he's like what's cold showers got to do with it and he's like well it's training your mind to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and kind of the saying i've kind of remind myself the difference of being um is it painful or is it just uncomfortable and I think so many times when we say drills like this, people associate that reptile brain is like, that's painful. Like doing push-ups when I miss a ball or uh, running around that, or it's painful to, or, or embarrassing to like run around the court and do a suicide. Whatever you use as accountability, that embarrassment, that being uncomfortable. And if you can hopefully train that ability to recognize, A, a lot of things are maybe emotionally uncomfortable and not always painful, I remember like we, we tell kids to run and like, that sucks. This is painful. It's like, no, it's uncomfortable and it's tough. 
and that's why we cold showers for me might be towards the painful it's, side. It's it's on the edge, but it's mostly uncomfortable. Yeah, like you take a cold shower, I time myself. Kill you. You're gonna. It, that's exactly yeah. what I was gonna, you're gonna survive. You're gonna survive. And like I've, <laughs> no matter how cold it is, Megan's like no. <laughs> oh no. But the more I think you do stuff like that, it doesn't have to be cold showers. It could be run, whatever, and you you start to realize how your mind starts to play tricks on you just like when you're in a match where you're like oh I don't want to grind try that try to get yourself out yeah, of it yeah yeah and like every more like now it's not as bad like the first probably two weeks my mind will come up with all these weird things like dude yep. we gotta leave I got, yeah. we're gonna be late for work he's like <laughs> yeah, just totally. don't do it it's totally. like dude just turn on a little warm water it's not that it's cold <laughs> dude it's cold I measured I, I, um, I measured the water one day because I was like Dude, it's snowing outside. It's got to be like 32 in that water. It's 32. And then it was like 58. And you're like, what? I didn't even know. He didn't tell me that because yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I totally went in with the kitchen thermometer. I was yeah. like, it's going to be like 40. I'm going to be a badass. And I'm going to stick it in there. And it's like, it's almost 60. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to tell Megan about this. It's just warmer than the air. <laughs> yeah, it's just colder than the air. So I haven't measured it since the last couple of days have been really cold, but I've just told myself, um, I don't know how long I'm going to do it. I'm just going to make it a daily thing. Like like when we travel, cold, cold. I just want to be Costa cold. Rica's it's like great cheating. for It our, is cheating. I remember water. last time yeah. I was doing a little yeah, bit, but it is cheating, but I'm still going to try to Come stick with it. from out of the sun. It's yeah. 100 degrees outside. No, I still like hot showers, but, which is great for our marriage. Like he yeah, doesn't use any she of the hot water. She never complains about any hot water. But it has really made me appreciate when my brain starts doing things and certain things, I start to catch myself more going, you're being a little soft. You, it's, you're just, you're just going to be a little uncomfortable. It's okay. It's not like you're getting your finger chopped off. You're going to be uncomfortable. And I think that is hugely important to getting tougher um, and um, dealing with pressure. Where cold showers, I think is, a, or in things like that, I think is, is a special kind of challenge is there's a physiological response mm. to it. Like your heart, like all of a sudden, like doubles, like yeah, fat, exactly, yeah. There's like the the shallow, like breathing, and it it almost kind of simulates like like you're dying, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? There, there's like a um, like we were talking about the amygdala, like fight or flight, like it yeah. feels like it feels real, and no, it there's, is. There's real. an initial hit, right? No, a real in the sense that like I might really die, right? Like, <laughs> like Megan's brain is like I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm going to die. But the thing, like we can laugh about it. But there's thousands of tennis players that are going to hear this episode at some point that have that same sensation yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. when the, it's second serve, break point, serving at four or five. In <gasps> oh, the second, for sure. And there's the yeah. same kind, like the pulse like increases and there's Shortness adrenaline like rush. Yeah, you're, you're literally like choking like for air. And um, I, I just, I really like the outside the box and yet, it's like a parallel discipline oh. to be able to sit with that and say, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to be present right now and just take it. <laughs> and that's so hard for humans because, and, and this is a whole other conversation, like in particular, like in the 21st century, like in general, like we've got it real good, you know, right now, just looking throughout human history. I mean, we are soft. Like we have so many creature comforts that didn't exist even just a hundred years ago. And so stepping outside of that protective shell and like taking it 
is just like so counter, you know, intuitive to the way that, that we're wired right now. I think another one that's really counter to the shower is meditation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, oh, meditation. But like when you actually sit and like have to meditate for an hour, even it's 20 so minutes, hard. like, and your mind's chattering and you're like, <laughs> in the cold shower. I, I literally in the cold shower. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm realizing why I'm a bad tennis player. <laughs> But when you're sitting there and you're trying to like just focus on your breath and you get pulled and you're like, or you start getting like when you get into it, you start getting bored, you get antsy and your brain starts again playing tricks on you. Like, yeah. oh, that's just enough get, now. Yeah, yeah, it's I, enough I, now. You did, you did yeah. enough. You, <laughs> and then like if you're timing yourself, it's so funny because your brain starts playing these tricks and you're like, dude, it's been like 60 minutes of you sitting here and you like peek over at the phone. And it's like, it's like two 11 minutes. minutes. <laughs> and you're like, what? And so I think those two things, which I love to do both of them are great parallels to like just experiencing and being aware of what your mind can kind of like get you out of. And I think for me, at least it helps you catch those moments when you feel it because you're not so shocked by it and you're not so kind of easily turned into like, okay, just don't do it. Because you kind of go like, oh, whoa, whoa, I I felt this before. I I know I just got to like sit through this and sit in the, the discomfort. Yeah, I think for everyone, it's something different, too. It's definitely it doesn't, not cold showers for Megan. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> or not. Or meditation. I used to do meditation you a did. lot. Um, I drug you somehow. Yes. Um, but it's, you I think. You to go to meditation? Drug, like, as yeah, in cold. Yeah. Uh, it's just um, something funny in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sit here and meditate. But, yeah, I think that everyone can find something different. That it's just something, the idea of <clears throat> something that makes you feel uncomfortable. Something that puts you out of your comfort zone. Like, me working like out for real in the mornings. Uncomfortable, not just like, eh, yeah, take, I think that's take it or key, leave it. Because your brain can trick you even in the yeah. sense of, like, this is uncomfortable. See? This is really uncomfortable. And you're like... Isn't really on no, purpose. like really. I, I totally get yeah, what you're yeah, saying, yeah. but I like it's so. But for easy. some people, running a mile is really, really difficult and really uncomfortable, you know. Or running on treadmills, uh, it's just like the epitome of me, where you just look into nowhere and you're going nowhere. Moving meditation, or or even having like a you know like a certain workouts are where you really are pushing yourself. CrossFit was that thing for me. A CrossFit was for all yeah, its drawbacks. Too. Like I walked out. I mean, you know, you look at my build, like lifting my body weight again and again <laughs> and again and again mm-hmm. was like, I walked out of, out of that gym every day feeling like, well, this is the hardest thing I got to do all day. Like yeah. the whole rest of the day is downhill from yeah. there. And I felt really, I think that's why working it. out in the mornings for a lot of people is a good thing because Absolutely. you challenge yeah. yourself, you know, and if you don't want to go all the way to cold showers, like just making a sense of like, okay, I'm going to jump rope in the do mornings until I am really struggling <laughs> or something like that. It's just something, the whole idea of putting yourself in an uncomfortable state. The one thing I would say, I totally agree with you, but guard against when you use maybe your uncomfortable thing as a workout, because it's really easy to get like, use the fatigue like there, there's a point where if you're doing CrossFit, your muscles are spent yeah. and you can't it's go just anymore. It's just, it's just, yeah. and you're trying to push, but literally your muscles are spent. I almost say like, find something that it doesn't have to do with you being exhausted and that it has to, there's a time frame. Like you have to get in and get out and there's no way out. Like, 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 <laughs> no I, yeah, it's like CrossFit. I've done CrossFit yeah. and it's like, sometimes like I'll push and you push so hard. You're like, 
Like the time we did the workout and we did like eight minutes of push-ups. Oh, it doesn't man. matter how much. It's like purely we, mental. Yeah, it's just like we're like. Bah. It doesn't even matter what the number yeah. is of how many. You just keep going. Yeah. You do yeah. another but one and the, another one. But that I think is a good mental. Like you guys were uncomfortable and you have to keep pushing. There was a camera on you. It wasn't like either one of you were going to stop. And this is the thing I would say a little bit with both. I totally agree with it in the time, but I think there's. There's also, depending on how you want to do it with the camera, I will never stop doing push-ups in front of a camera. I'm sorry. I, I could be like, like cramping. And it's like, I'm just going to pretend like I'm spazzing right out right now. But I'm going to pretend that I can do push-ups on camera. And I like, personally, I like the thing where you do and you're alone and it's dark or it's like... It, there's just a mental. It's just a personal, I, I, it's two different thing. It's a personal it's two thing. Different it's a personal. Yeah. being stretched. Yeah, and I think they're both important. They're both important. But I, I would say for me, and just talking to a lot of people, the mental. Because I feel like if the mental strong, it can actually push you through that physical. I've had points where physically, I'm like, there's no way. And their like Rocky theme song comes on, the mental kicks in, and it's just like I go. But like the alone mental being, I totally agree with Megan. I would just say pick something that you totally know it's just gonna suck like did you just absolutely know if you're just new to this maybe pick something not so sucky but if you really want to dive in pick something that absolutely sucks david goggins (laughs) i think we'll we'll wrap this up in a second but i think they both have value i think either way once you get to that threshold where you know you'd like to quit but you keep going either way you can look back on that experience later in the day or uh, in your next match or whatever it is and say, you know what? I've, I've been at this point before. Like there's a familiarity. So it's like mm-hmm. you get to that yeah. line where it's like, I'd really like to just sit down right now. But the thousandth time you step over that line, there's like a mental muscle that, that you build over time. And whether or not you're in a group or by yourself, I think it's still valuable. But there's a special little muscle mm-hmm. that's for when you're nobody's watching there's no accountability oh. there's no like penalty you know you could stop i think i feel like that's just a whole nother yeah i totally agree whole there's thing. a social pressure like yeah. if you're it's like they say like when you run with a group you run faster because yeah. there's a social pressure that pulls you along nothing's wrong with that. you don't want yeah. and that can push you too especially if you're in a high intense high performance group um but yeah i like the the alone thing and that's my thing yeah yeah sorry it's um, cold showers. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. nope. <laughs> if we've like, learned anything today, cold <laughs> showers. Megan will never Megan take cold will not showers. Take shower. <laughs> All right. I think we'll. I think we'll wrap up. This feels like yeah, a good, good, a good spot. Yeah. I feel like we've probably checked like forty different ideas. You know, throughout the course mm-hmm. of this uh, episode, um, I think really good content and giving people at home a lot of things to think about and variations on this self challenge which is critical. And if you want to play well in matches, like you can't just not do, you can't just ignore this. Like you have to develop this part of yourself. Yeah. I think it's really important to realize that there are steps that need to be taken to be effective in match play. It's not that just by going out there and practicing. And it's also not like talent, like, Oh, he's a competitor. That's what I was going to say. So many people you say, Oh, he's just, he just, he's just got it. He just knows how to play under pressure. You have to build it. It's like, you have to build it. Yeah, and there's more than just one thing. It's not just hitting balls. You can hit all the balls you want, but if you don't have the mental mindset, you don't put pressure on yourself, you don't do all the other stuff that we talked about, it's probably not going to transfer into match play very effectively at a high level. And last thing I'll say, I feel like tennis players 
have a special combination of these these kind of traits because there is the alone factor like you you have to figure out how to be isolated and problem solve and it doesn't matter how much it sucks like i mean you can be the player who just tanks all the time but in you know if you've accomplished something as a player and like you've been a um, successful competitor it kind of automatically means something about that person. I feel like, you know, if you're a successful tennis player to a certain degree, and it's one thing I love about tennis is you, you can always make the choice to ignore like what's blowing up around you, you know, as a player, but assuming that you keep like coming face to face with those challenges and you do keep pushing yourself and you do keep developing yourself. I think, I think tennis competitors are really special, uh, breed of athlete and there's other sports that do it too but yeah. i really i really love how how tennis develops so uh, pe- i totally agree people. i think the last thing i'll say is that's really important is that it's a muscle in a sense that if you stop training it it actually goes away so i mean yeah maybe in college i ran and i was doing all this hardcore stuff and i should just be mentally tough now yeah you might have the ability to remember and deal with it but the consistency of dealing with the pressure, it's, it's just like every time you walk up to the shower, it just doesn't, you know you're going to take that first hit and it's, it, your mind always plays the, the tricks on you. Uh, regardless of how many times you've done it before, it's just a little bit of like, oh God. Every just, time you say shower, I see like this PTSD face like come over Megan. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, like, yeah, she, she didn't even come in the shower when nope. I'm taking a cold shower. Oh, I think the one time in. I took a cold shower and she came in, she's like, it's cold in here. Literally, the whole room is cold. Like, our whole bathroom gets cold. Yeah. So. No, it is. I think it, it needs to be trained. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Episode 21, Blackjack. We need to come mm. up with a little, like, th- a little, little theme every for, time. Yeah. Yeah, 2020 was last episode. Yeah, I liked that one. That was a Today good one. Blackjack episode. Black. 21. I like it. Congrats. We'll talk to you guys next time. Oh, by the way, if you're if you're a regular listener and you download every episode as soon as it comes out, first of all, God bless you. Thank you <laughs> for listening to us talk. But we're going to be probably out of commission for the next, likely the next two weeks for about to take a trip to, oh no, no, we'll record next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. In two weeks, you'll be disappointed. But next week, you'll have the the privilege of hearing us talk again wow <laughs> all right Thank we, you. Yeah, yeah. we need to go this is where we need to cut it again yeah <laughs> thanks everybody take care